welcome to Pops and Hisses, a music podcast where you hear from the artists you love. I'm your host, Kevin Coffey, and in this episode, I sat down with Chris DeMakes, singer and guitarist of punk ska band Less Than Jake. They've been a band for 30 years, and classic albums like Pezcore and Hello Rock View are now decades old, but they never stopped making music. Recently, they released a brand new record called Silver Linings, and it's their first album without drummer and lyricist Vinny Fiorello, but I can attest to the fact that it's another great album in a long line of albums. If you like Less Than Jake, you're going to love Silver Linings. Chris and fellow lead singer Roger Lima took over lyrical duties, and they made a fantastic record. So I sat down with Chris to talk about Silver Linings and everything else they've been doing during pandemic times, and it's been a lot. Chris especially has been busy. He kicked off his songwriting podcast, podcast Krista makes a podcast which has all kinds of people you would know if you're a fan of less than Jake and other uh, pop punk bands but also tons of famous artists too and he's got lots more on the way Chris also released a new book a photo book documenting kind of the history of less than Jake and it's really cool real quick I want to remind you that you can listen to pops and hisses podcast and find music news reviews and interviews at popsandhisses.com but right now it's time for Krista makes of less than Jake Let's get into it. Uh, so, yeah, I wanted to talk about a bunch of different stuff. I um, I know you started the podcast. And I want to talk about that for sure. But what's the band? How's the band spent the last year or so? Especially normally you guys would be playing a lot of shows. Like a lot. Of yeah, lot. you know, the, the band, uh, we have weekly uh, phone calls. We have um restructured some things we revamped our merchandise store which has been great so every month we or you know every four to six weeks we're putting out limited edition merchandise we re-released our b is for b-sides and anthem uh, records on vinyl we had our new album come out last year yep. uh, silver linings uh we did our um uh, live stream show and we have other ones planned for this year uh did uh, some lost at home sessions we were calling where we released three songs from our own respective uh, home studios. Like we piecemealed some songs together yeah, yeah. and uh, gave some of the proceeds away for charity. So, you know, we, we stayed busy. We're, we've always been a working band, um, you know, just because we uh, couldn't go out and tour. It didn't mean that the, uh, the shop shut down. Yeah, for sure. A lot of, I know some bands just kind of were like, well, we didn't do anything, <laughs> but you guys didn't obviously didn't uh, let that happen. No, no, a ton of bands did absolutely nothing. Um, yeah. I don't understand that unless they all just, uh, you know, to me, it has nothing to do with even the financial aspect of, of putting product out and trying to, you know, keep the business afloat financially. For me, it's more just from a, uh, you know, we've been a band almost 30 years. Right. We, we go away for four or five, six years. You, you, you can't, you have to, you have to stay in people's faces and do, do your thing. And we've always done that and it's worked for us. So this, if anything, we, we did our best to stay out there even more. For sure. It, it's interesting to me that it's a lot of punk bands I've noticed that have been like, doing stuff, doing live streams, putting out new things, re-releasing old things. And I don't know if it's like that, uh punk rock mentality of like you got to grind it out <laughs> yeah i think really so I, you know i i know that there's a lot of guys that uh you know and i've mentioned this on other uh shows recently and other interviews uh guys friends of mine that are in superstar bands big huge bands way bigger than less than jake and then bands even smaller than ours 
uh, that are equally depressed, like having real issues, you know, because this is all that they've ever known. Um, And pretty much the same for me too, but I approached it as, you know, they're the older that I, and I wouldn't have approached it this way 10 or even 20 years ago, the older that I get, I, I, all those stupid sayings that you heard growing up, either from your parents or teachers, you know, but, <laughs> yeah. but the, everything happens for a reason. That stupid fricking saying, um, when this whole thing went down, I'm like, okay, I have no control over this a, um, so I have to, uh, accept it. And sometimes acceptance is the hardest thing with anything in life. And, I just accepted that I'm not going to be on the road. And I accepted that as a good thing because man, I've spent 28 years uh, gone away from home, missing weddings, funerals, birthdays, all that stuff. And um, I'm not complaining about that. It's what I signed up to do. And it's been, it's been a great ride and I've been fortunate to have this career. Uh, But I took this as, you know what, I'm going to enjoy this time off away from the road. And it's been great. That's awesome. Yeah. I can't imagine half your life you've not been at home, but, but to be able to actually enjoy that. That's yeah. Awesome. It's been, it's been, uh, you know, been, it's been different. So tell me about making the record. You guys actually made it in 2019, right? It was, yeah, we made it. Uh, yeah. We did the whole thing in November um, for about two and a half weeks. And then we split for, uh, Thanksgiving holiday and maybe another week, week and a half. We came back middle of December and finished up a couple backing vocals Mm -hmm. and maybe a guitar overdub or two. Just kind of sat on it and figured out what what else we wanted to put on it. So yeah, the album was done and we had a bunch of release dates last year and they just kept getting pushed back because we kept thinking, oh, at some point we might be able to go out and tour behind it. Yeah. And that didn't happen. So, um, you know, I think, I think the right now is the best time in the world to put a record out though you know, because people are starving for entertainment. Yeah. Uh, especially when your fans might get their fix from, you know, going to see you mm-hmm. <laughs> at a club or a theater or whatever, you know, wherever you're playing. Um, and they're like, well, yeah, I can't go see them, but I'm damn sure you're going to listen to this record. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's been, uh, I, I think our record got double the attention it would have gotten if, if there was other things going on. Right. Yeah. Um, and so you guys, I read that you guys wrote some things in the studio uh, as you were working on it. Well, yeah, there was one one track that oh, okay. ended up being the lead off song on the album, "High Cost of Low Living." Yeah, yeah, that was um, that was the the horn melody. It was something I had in my voice memo on my phone. I was, um, I think, I was on an airplane. <laughs> and the melody just came to me, and I was just like, and I was in the hotel in Gainesville and it was, we had done all the drum tracks for all the songs. And I was just, I had this, this feeling of like, I just don't think this record's done. I think we have one more in us. And I was going through my memos on my phone and I, and I heard that line. I'm like, man, that is catchy. So I went in the studio the next day and I said to the guys, I said, uh, Hey, before we break the drums down while everything's still set up, I said, you know, I think, we got one more song in us. And I was at first looked at like, you're out of your mind. This record's done. Like, what are you talking about? I said, I'll just bear with me. And um, so I said, told Rogers to pick up that guitar. So he picked up an acoustic guitar and him and I went and sat in the corner. And I mean, we wrote the thing in five minutes. Wow. Really? 
the, yeah, yeah. Melodies. And then later that night or the next day, the five of us sat in his living room and uh, we just went round robin and kind of worked, pieced the lyrics together and the song was done. It was really quick. That's awesome. Um, that's really cool. And I know, so this is the first album without Vinny and you guys, uh, you and Roger wrote a lot of the lyrics. So can you tell me a little bit about that? I felt like the record had a lot more, um, I don't know, adult stuff, but I mean, that's also when you're looking back toward early albums, <laughs> that comparison's maybe a little more stark, but uh, did you have anything you guys wanted to talk about, like, or anything on your mind when you're writing the lyrics for this record? Yeah, you know, I think that, that uh, you know, compared to our early records, you know, those early records were written from the standpoint of experiences that um, primarily Vinny, who was the primary lyricist, was going through five to ten years prior. Right. So those records, when he, you know, he wrote Losing Streak when he was, you know, 25 25 26 years old so those were called from experiences that he was going through when he was 15 16 17 yeah well i remember when we made anthem and you know and even borders and boundaries a record prior to that they weren't immediately gotten from our fan base and it was two three four five six years later people are like i love that record because now they're going through those now they're going through divorces now yeah. they're going through mortgage problems or job problems or health problems, stuff that we were that they weren't going through when we when we put that record out because we were you know a little bit older than our fans. So it's always taken them a little bit to, <clears throat> to catch up. But I've heard that assessment of it seems a little more, I think you used the word mature. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I think that mostly stems from the fact that that you know, Roger. I definitely write this way. I think Roger does a little bit too. We write from a more um, immediate personal experience than Vinny did. He's a little more of a storyteller and a little more, for lack of a better word, vague in a great way. His lyrics are awesome and his lyrics are, are full of imagery and full of innuendos and things. And I think my lyrics are a little more immediate. Right. And it doesn't make them better. It's just that's how I write. I wish I could write like him. I wish I could be a little more vague and, and imaginary, but I write from what I'm feeling. I spit it out a little bit more. And I think that's what you're hearing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you tell me what it was like to uh, just having Matt in the studio with you guys? Did that make a different kind of, uh, I mean, you guys have known Matt and he's played with, he's been in the band for a long time, but doing that first record with him uh, was that, is that a little different or different dynamic? I mean, not, not having Vinny having Matt in there with you. Yeah. I mean, you know, there was, you know, Vinny had a certain style. Um, Matt has a, a, a certain style. Anytime you bring in a different person, it's a different energy. Yeah. Um, right. I've always said this, it, you could bring in, uh, and I've seen it happen. It's like, man, did you hear about that band? They got so-and-so guitarist and this guitarist can run circles around the first guy from a technical aspect but the band's not the same. Yeah. Right. You know, the band's just not the same. Like he doesn't have his tone. The other guy was sloppy. It was a little dirty. It had this, you know, this little bit of fuzz on it that the new guy doesn't have. And we were um, mindful of that in a sense. And Matt was certainly was when he came in, he wasn't going to take the back catalog and, and change it around the, you know, mm -hmm. the drum parts. So, the great thing was we had almost two years with Matt it was a year and a half of him out playing live before we wrote any songs. Right. So 
he and of course he was our sound guy for years. He knew the songs inside and out. So we kept the integrity of what Vinny did. And then when we went into the new record, it still had to sound like Less Than Jake. It, it couldn't be like this totally different style because Matt can play pretty much everything. You know, he's a really well-versed drummer and we didn't want to go too left of center with this album. It had to still sound like us. But, you know, he Matt comes from a rock uh, background as a drummer, mm. um, certainly uh, got into punk rock and, and plays that style too, but he's a little more of a rock drummer than Vinny. So he just brought a different, a different flavor to it, a different energy. And, and it's been great. And at the same time, like I said, we've been mindful of wanting it to still sound like uh, our band. So I think we, I think we bridge the gap really well. Yeah. I really like the record. Um, I listen, I've listened to it a bunch. Uh, and I, I also just enjoy, there's just all kinds of different sounds on it. There's slower stuff and there's, uh, almost reggae songs and fast songs and party songs. And it's got a very good cross section of what you guys do, which I really liked. Yeah. Thanks. We, like I said, we, you know, there was really no grand, um, you know, people have asked, you know, do, did, did you think about this record? What, how the the kind of record you wanted to make beforehand and been asked that a lot. And it's always just been the next batch of songs, you right. know, like I have tons of ideas on my hard drive and in my phone voice memos that, that I'll comb through sometimes. And sometimes I'll just come up with something new, but it's, for me, it's always in the moment. It's never like, I want to sit down and write a concept record or write this kind of record. It's just, this was just the next, the next group of songs that we wrote. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We talked about how good the reception has been. Um, that's got to just be enjoyable to see people loving it so much. Yeah, you know, it's it's cool because I no longer have expectations. You know, when we were um, on major labels and we had people crunching numbers and working behind us, right. you know, we were in that in that big business where it was like, oh, man, we got this single. We're going to do this video and this has to happen. And so there isn't that not that it ever really was pressure, but you know, there was a, a certain accountability. You were working with different people and you had to answer to this person. They had to answer to you. And now it's just, we have to answer to ourselves. And the fact that people like the record is great. Um, but it's also great to be in a position that um, we are a, I, I call it a legacy band. We have, I love it. Make that go off the whole time. Yeah. And, and then I'll, I, I, it, it'll make my brain even go crazier than it already is. Trying to, try to keep my right? sense. Just loud alarm. Perfect. The thing. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, it's a great position to be in to have this back catalog that of songs that people want to listen to. So we could go out and, and play shows and not play anything past the millennium, play all our 90s stuff and people would be stoked. Yeah. And, and that's great. There's some folks that might have an issue with that. Like, well, I want to be relevant now and I want people to like my new songs now. And, you know, I've been doing this past and what I've really discovered through it, my podcast, the songwriting podcast, and what I've discovered, mm -hmm. and I've, I've known this, but I have really started to realize it since I've done the show, is that you can't make up for people's memories. So I could put out Silver Linings, and it could be the best record we've ever done in our career, but it doesn't have 20 years of memories attached to it. Yes. <laughs> when we do these meet and greets with fans, or I'll be at the after after show party, and someone will come up and talk to me, you know, or people will write me on social media, 
dude. And it's always a trip down memory lane. Dude, when my wife and I saw you at college at the Mercury Theater, man, you came out and you played this and that, man. Her and I got engaged the next day. That's 20 years of memories that the new album doesn't have attached to it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the fact that people like the record is just icing on the cake. Yeah. And if they didn't like the record, I know in my heart it's a really good album. And that's good enough for me at this point. It might not have been good enough for me 10 or 20 years ago, but it's good enough now, if yeah. that makes sense. Oh, totally. I always think um, it's the th- when people say, man, they don't make good music anymore. I'm like, no, bullshit. Like, you just, like you said, you have all these memories piled up on top of these things. I, I'm In my experience, I've noticed that people tend to not add too much uh, music to their lives, like past like high school or college. It's when they learned all these things. It's when they've got their favorite band. It's when they probably had a lot of free time and went to a lot of concerts and stuff. And so, yeah, it's just like, no, you, there's nothing wrong with liking those things or, or being that way. But, you know, mostly you probably just have memories associated with this because of the time in which you uh, went with them. And I always think of stuff like if you guys had released Silver Linings 20 years ago, <laughs> instead of now, like what people would think about it too, because of yeah, that. Yeah, I've, 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 I've posed that question to myself and other people too. And, and you, you, I think that the album would have done amazing. Right. I actually think there's a chance that our commercial popularity would have been even bigger with Silver Linings back then. You know, I think the album just, I, I think that uh, there's a couple songs on it that rival anything that we did. At the same time, you want to talk about making a mistake as a band, try writing a, a retro record in the sense that, you know what, we're going to make Hello Rock View Part 2. <laughs> yeah. Not in my mid-40s, I'm not, because I don't feel that anymore. I can still go out and play those songs. I can sell them to a live audience because I still feel them for what they are, but I can't write that way today. Yeah. I just can't, you know, it's, it's, it's really no different uh, to me than, you know, um, you, you were an artist or you were a painter and at uh, 18, 20 years old, you did these paintings and now someone's trying to tell you, Hey, your new stuff isn't what it used to be. We go, yeah, it was, that's 25 years ago. I, I don't, I'm not experiencing those emotions at this yeah. point. It's, I always think it's funny too. Sorry. Uh, I always think it's funny. Like fans sometimes expect bands not to improve. Like your skills, like your skills got better over the last 25 years. How did that happen? Be like, I've been doing this over and over every day. Like, how do you not change? Yeah. I've, um, I've gotten better in the last year. I've never spent the amount of time in my studio that I've ever spent. You know, it'd be like, okay, I'm home for two right. weeks and I'll fart around the studio and then we'll go on the road and then I'm gone for three months and then I'll come home again. And I'm not kidding you. 365 days in a year. I was probably in my studio last year, 335, 340 days every day working, um, doing songs. I started a custom song uh, writing business. Oh yeah. I saw that. That's cool. Yeah. So I've been, been doing that and just doing a bunch of projects. And so, you know, the more that you work on your craft, it's like anything else, you know, you take an athlete and, and uh, you know, they'll, they'll go through these periods of, you know what, I'm, I'm in the zone and I'm going to work harder. And they, they find that they were at a plateau for a couple of years and all of a sudden they did this. And, and I really feel like I've, I, I bumped up a notch as a musician the last year. So again, taking into to consideration, being home it's another for me it's another positive right right well and you mentioned the podcast too you started the podcast so i mean this is a perfect time to be doing a podcast 
<laughs> yeah, I think that a ton of people have started them. And I think that once people go back on the road, I think you're going to see a million podcasts go and go away. <laughs> but this isn't going away um, for me. It's been a, a huge success, not from uh, a financial standpoint, but podcasts are free. I've just started to monetize it uh, from a, a advertising level, but it's, it hasn't really, it, it's, it's not driven by money. It's driven by passion, but my manager, who's also the producer of the show, Chris, um, Chris and I have a vision for way beyond the podcast, but still in the podcast realm of where we want to take this. So again, this never would have happened without the, you know, the lockdown and me not being able to go on the road. So it's another huge positive because it's given me so many other things and opportunities. And now the show's been out for eight months. What's really great is uh, we're getting hit up by publicists and managers and record labels. Now they want our, their artists on the show because yeah. they, they realize that we're doing a good thing. That's awesome. It's such a cool uh, podcast. Because as a musician and songwriter, talking to another musician and songwriter, I mean, it's people you know and and stuff a lot. But it's just such a cool dynamic to have you guys, two people knowing exactly what they're talking about, having that discussion. And also cool. because everybody writes differently. It's a total, like, it's a different process for everybody. Everybody does. It's like I always say, the each episode's the same, but they're different. You know, right. the theme's the same, but it's different. No, no two songwriters are the same. I'm fascinated every time I, I take a new person on. I'm, I learn something new. It's changed my songwriting. I'm looking at songs different. I'm analyzing a song going, that's awesome. I'm going to write a song where the bridge happens twice. That's fucking cool, you know? So it's helped me. And it's also been, been really neat from just the aspect that, you know, probably every episode I've done, and either on, on mic or off mic after when we say our goodbyes, the person will say, that was awesome. I've never done an interview like that or never done a, you know, uh, broke down a song like that. It's, you know, I really take it to the, to the nth degree. Yeah. It's, uh, I've really been enjoying listening to it. It's really cool. And I, here's one of the things I really loved. Um, as I was going through it, I was like, man, it'd be really cool if Chris was a guest. And then I was like, oh, he is. <laughs> yeah, that was that was my producer, Chris Mephalias. That was his idea from the very beginning. We got to get you on as a guest. I'm like, yeah. how's that work? And uh, that ended up being one of our most most popular episodes, which go figure. I'm, I'm pandering to my own audience. But <laughs> but it was cool. And the other thing I meant, meant to mention a moment ago about the show is that and I've gotten this compliment too. And this was thought about early on is I didn't want to get into too much of talk about gear once in a while. I'll say that sounds like a good guitar. I don't want to be like, yeah, is that a Marshall stack through a, or, you know, a Marshall amp through a, you know, through this cabinet, through this, you want to lose an audience quick, start talking about that technical kind of stuff. So I've really tried to break it down into layman's terms. So if you're not a musician or you don't understand, uh, you know, like, you might know what a chorus of a song is, but you don't know this and that. Like I'll explain what a bridge is and I'll explain things. So, and that's been a great, great feedback from listeners saying, you know, I don't know anything about this, but I can listen to these episodes and I can learn something and not feel lost. That's <laughs> right. the last thing you want to do is get someone to listen to your stuff and be like, I don't get this. Yeah. Cause it's the fan that's, or the person that's listened to music their entire lives and maybe knows what a verse and a chorus is, but 
doesn't never knew what a bridge was called <laughs> you know yeah. like you know people who aren't musicians and i know people would get way into that gear talk they just foam yeah I, I had like, to, it, regular I had, people get lost <laughs> i had to stop myself because i i'd be interested in getting into it but I'll, I'll mention it once in a while like that that sound that sounds like this but i don't get too deep into it because it's really here nor there i'm, I'm really into the emotion of why the song was written. What was your headspace like? Why did you write this? Why did you do it this way? Get into the psyche of the artist. And I've, I, I don't know what it is. You know, Chris calls it like I says, I have a knack and I'm, I'm not tooting my own horn, but I've had musicians, even guests on that, that I don't know personally, that just for just the way I deliver and they realize the time and the passion that I put into analyzing their song, they open up to me and an crazy way like you know he's a friend of mine but i did an episode with bill stevenson from descendants and it was just heavy you know and and i've gotten a couple other uh podcasts a couple other guests to really open up i got one coming up pretty soon that's really heavy uh that along the lines of bill that was just at first like we had to stop the the podcast a couple times because the person was just like uh, you know, I, I really didn't answer that last question and I feel weird. I'm like, okay. It's like, I, you know what? I need to get this off my chest. I'm, I'm going to open up about it. I'm like, cool. And we, we, we're going to edit all that little talking out, but then we go, I'll ask the question. So this second verse, where, where was your head at? And then he'll boom. And it's like those types of, of connections are what really is really cool and really, really makes me want to continue doing it. It's, it's right. Nice. It's such a personal thing, especially, I mean, some of the things people put in songs, I'm me, like, I don't know how you write that. I don't know how you confess that to a bunch of people. Then I don't know how you do that night after night for uh, 15 years singing that so personal song, which I mean, part of it's kind of therapeutic, I get. But yeah, it's such a, it's cool to hear your podcast because of that, that dynamic. It's really neat. Yeah, thanks. You know, it's been, like I said, it's been, um, it's been really cool. It's been cool to to feel like even though I'm not on the road that I'm still connected to the industry. I'm still connected to what I do in, a, right. in, an, even, in an even more personal way. I've gotten to reconnect with some friends. Um, I recently had, uh, I'm not trying to give away all my guests, but recently had a, a, a guest on that the episode's not out yet. And I hadn't talked to this guy in a couple of years. He's a f dear friend of mine. Just hadn't caught up, hadn't seen him at a show mm -hmm. in a long time. And so I've been able to reconnect with some people. It's been cool awesome and then we're about to run out of time but uh blast from the past your book just came out so that's a photo book right yeah it's a picture book with a, with yeah. a story for each picture and that was uh, started i woke up in december of 2018 december 5th to be exact and i posted a picture i had just moved i had a bunch of pictures i was going through my studio putting uh, my memorabilia together and uh took a photo of a photo threw it up to put a story with a caption that said, uh, I'm going to put a photo and a story up a day until I pass Roger and Instagram followers. I was just <laughs> kind of joking. And JR, our sax player was like, this is good content, but I give it two weeks. You're going <laughs> to stop. I'm like, oh, I'll show you, you mother, you know what? So uh, probably three weeks later, I dawned on me. I'm like, I'm writing my book one story at a time. I'm going to do this for 365 days. So the book is 365 pictures and stories. And it's called Blast in the Past. You can find it at uh, com. So awesome. Yeah, I love it. I've, those Instagram posts are really funny. I always check those out too. So cool. 
Well, cool, man. Thanks so much for taking the time for me. I really appreciate it. It's been great. I really, I really appreciate it too. I just want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Pops and Hisses. I had a great time talking to Krista Meeks from Less Than Jake. I want to let you know that you can subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app or head to popsandhisses.com where you listen to the podcast, find more music news, reviews, interviews, and of course, more podcast episodes. I'm your host, Kevin Coffey, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at at Omaha Music Guy or find my page on Facebook by searching for Kevin Coffey. My last name is spelled C-O-F-F-E-Y, by the way. Thanks to Herdat Media for producing the show and having me on the network. I encourage you to check out all of Herdat's podcasts. There's a whole network of them, like Hollywood Raw, if you're into entertainment, uh, Chick and Nick Show, if you're into sports, Meathead Test Kitchen, where they talk about food and fitness, or Drunkenomics for drinking and, uh, well, you know, economics. So find them all and lots more at herdatmedia.com slash network. That's H-U-R-R-D-A-T media.com. Thanks for listening. See you guys next time. Hold up, media production.